I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Nature Careers podcast. I'm Julie Gould. This month, we're talking salaries and workplace satisfaction. From this survey is that people who are running labs should be checking in with their researchers, should be checking in with their team, ask them how they're feeling about their jobs, ask them how they're feeling about their work-life balance, about their futures. I think they would get some really interesting answers. And they, unlike us, would be in a position where they could actually do something about it. And mothers in science. It's okay to, to back down a little bit sometimes, you know, you don't have to be super mom and super scientist. And it was just really refreshing to hear somebody say that, you know, it's okay. It's okay to back off. In October this year, Nature published the results of its biennial survey of salary and job satisfaction in the global science community. The results have an important message that there are many different career paths a scientist can take, both in and beyond academia, and that those leaving the academic workplace shouldn't be afraid that they might lose out on emotional or financial satisfaction. I caught up with Chris Walston, who wrote about the results in Nature Careers. Chris also covers the results of the biennial PhD survey, which is due to run in 2019. He's been covering these surveys for four years now, so he's very familiar with them. And the conversation starts with Chris telling us why he's so interested in these surveys and the insights they give into the lives of scientists. I just think it's a remarkable set of data. We heard from so many researchers from around the world and we're asking questions they don't very often get asked. Questions like, are you actually happy with your job? Are you happy with your salary? Are you happy with your work-life balance? Those are sorts of things I think scientists are very eager to talk about, but not many people are asking them. With salary, one thing that I find fascinating is how relative happiness is when it comes to salary. I spoke with a researcher in India who was not making very much. He was on the low end of the salary spectrum, and he was very happy with his salary. And we know from the survey that there are people making over $150,000 a year who are unhappy with their salary. And it just goes to show the power of expectations and the importance of matching your salary with where you live and what your job requirements actually are. Chris, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, it's a survey like this that seems to be asking questions that scientists don't get asked very often. 
you know, the questions like, are you satisfied with your career? Are you satisfied with your salaries? it's it's funny that it's a, a magazine that that's asking the questions should there be should there be someone else that should be asking them should it be more commonplace for discussions about these sorts of topics within the scientific career and the scientific career ladders yeah well at nature we're in a very privileged position because we can ask that question and have it span the globe we can get answers from everywhere and that's something that's an institution cannot do. And the the good, there, there are institutions that are taking a close look. I Just this morning, I was interviewing a person at the University of North Carolina, and we were talking about issues for postdoctoral researchers, and they had done their own surveys, and they, they check in with their postdocs to find out about their their satisfaction and their frustrations. So people are doing that on a smaller level. But what about going to an even smaller level, for example, with a supervisor speaking directly to those those people that work in their labs? Yes. Should it should it should yeah, it go down to yeah. that level? Yeah, absolutely. I think one message from this survey is that people who are running labs should be checking in with their researchers, should be checking in with their team, ask them how they're feeling about their jobs, ask them how they're feeling about their work life balance about their futures. I think they would get some really interesting answers. And they, unlike us, would be in a position where they could actually do something about it. We can only report these numbers. And I think people who run labs have the power to shape them. Okay. Now, you've analyzed both the 2017 PhD survey data and the job satisfaction survey results. Now, when you look at both of those data sets, what leapt out at you? Uh, And maybe... Are there any concerns that both the PhD students and the salaried scientists share? Uh, yes, both PhD students and salaried scientists have uh, a lot of uncertainty about their future. In the most recent survey, 60% of the respondents said they were optimistic about their future prospects, which sounds okay, but that still leaves a lot who are pessimistic about their prospects. And the ones who were optimistic were more likely to be men, uh, more likely to be younger. So older female respondents were especially likely to have fairly grim outlooks about their future, which is not encouraging. Uh, Why do you think that is? There definitely is a lot of uh, headwind for female researchers. And that's something that shows up in the survey. One thing is that there is a pay gap, a gender pay gap. And that gap becomes especially pronounced later in careers. We found that at the at the later stages of career, men were making significantly more than women. And I think that women see that, and especially older women feel that they have uh, they don't have quite the, the prospects that male researchers might have. Broadly speaking, how satisfied would you say that scientists are at the moment with their career choices? I think that is one of the most interesting things that comes out of these surveys. I feel that this is a question that the scientists aren't often asked, just the basic question of how satisfied are you with your job. And what we found in all of these surveys over the years is that job satisfaction tends to hover around low 70s, high 60s, which sounds, again, maybe not bad, but it certainly leaves a lot of room for improvement. And in this particular survey, we found that 
the job satisfaction didn't really vary very much between sectors, between academia, government, nonprofit, industry. But we found that people in academia were the least satisfied of all. And when we went into different categories, we found very interesting uh, discrepancies in terms of salary, in terms of work-life balance, and in terms of whether or not an institution was doing enough to promote diversity. And in every case, all of those cases, industry fared better than academia. With regards to satisfaction, what can be done to increase and improve those numbers, make sure that more people are more satisfied with their careers? One of the things that turned out to be the most important factor for whether someone was satisfied with their job was control over their work. This is something that is true for any employment sector, science or anything else. People who feel like they have control over their work and over their futures are most likely to be satisfied. And that's definitely a problem in science. Uh, I've been doing stories about postdoctoral researchers lately, and that is a common theme that postdocs feel like they are working for the principal investigators who are running their labs, and they are not in charge of their own destinies or even their own projects. And that is a major problem in science at all levels, really. Even people who are running their labs don't always feel like they're the ones in charge. They feel like they are chasing grants. They are um, just trying to keep their lab funded as opposed to running things. And what we found in the survey is that there are high levels of satisfaction in other sectors. The highest, actually, was in nonprofit work. There's government work. There are jobs in industry. And you're definitely not going to sacrifice very much job satisfaction and definitely not going to sacrifice salary if you take one of these other paths outside of academia. We are due to repeat the survey in a couple of years' time. So what do you think will be the interesting trends to look out for? Um, I'm interested in looking at the question of would they recommend science as a career to students? We had 75% say that they would do that this year. And that's a significant rise from two years ago. And I'm interested to know if that is a real increase or whether it was just a one-time anomaly. And I'm just generally surprised by the fact that so many people would recommend science when we do have people complaining about different parts of it and there is so much uncertainty. I think that just speaks again to the importance of being interested in your work and the feeling that science is important. Finally, Chris, you recently did a, a TED talk about the mental health of graduate students in the sciences. What led you to that and what did you talk about? I was asked to give a TEDx talk in Luxembourg after uh, researchers there had read some of my work in Nature about the, the struggles of early career scientists. And I just talked about how much stress the system puts on researchers. And it was very, very well received. I think a lot of people are interested in that message and they feel that they aren't alone and they are relieved that people are talking about it and that some institutions are definitely reaching out to their students and their postdocs and e even their PIs. 
and letting them know that this is definitely a part of science and that it's not going to be overlooked, that people are taking it seriously. Thanks to Chris Walston. In our conversation, we touched briefly on the free text comments that scientists made when they filled out the survey. Here's just a sample selection. All the comments are anonymous and the voices you hear are not of the people who made them, although some of the voices might be a bit familiar if you're a regular listener. So here's a little insight into some of the challenges. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In science. I experience a double standard very frequently, and I believe it is because I'm a woman the only one in my department. The double standard means that I'm expected to pick up far more than my share of administrative responsibility, and when I do a good job, I'm criticised for not being a true scientist. In other words, one who neglects anything that isn't research. When a male colleague of the same experience level does his smaller portion of administrative work, he is praised for his effort. I'm also expected to share any resources or opportunities I get while others are not expected to share with me, as though there is a sense that I owe others. And when I experience success, I am sometimes told it's because I checked a box as a woman and that I'm lucky. Pressure to retire as I approach 60. Not explicit or stated, but moral pressure and looks. Ridiculous bias in favour of women in our organisation has created an atmosphere slightly hostile to men. Co-workers have scheduled important meetings on religious holidays and when I object or do not attend, I'm viewed as someone who doesn't take their job seriously. In my organisation, there are small cliques controlling the funding and the organisation. Being an immigrant, I'm always kept out of these. There is an intense push to promote females in the organisation, so it is very unlikely for me to be promoted further. It is some kind of reverse discrimination. After finding out that two women in the lab were pregnant, my previous PI came up to me and told me that I should keep my legs closed because he didn't want any more pregnant women in the lab. Thanks to the Nature Careers team for putting those together. And you can read more about the survey and the results in Chris's piece called Satisfaction in Science at nature.com careers. Now, the very last issue of Nature will have a 2019 events directory and I've penned a little piece about how to make conferences more accessible for mothers or carers in science. This is a big topic at the moment, with many conferences and societies making efforts to help make conferences more accessible for everyone. Jamie Kruger is a neuroscience graduate student at the University of California, Davis, and she co-organised a panel discussion at the Society of Neuroscience's annual conference last month to share some of the experiences that mothers in science had had. I had a quick chat with her after she got back to find out what she learned and why she thought it was important to learn from other mothers in science. So back in February, uh, my friend Anahita and I had been talking, and I'm a grad student parent, and... She's a postdoc, and she had just had twins, and they were both in the NICU for for a few months, and we were talking about how much we really would have 
loved to hear advice from other women who had kind of made it through, who had had their babies while they were a grad student or a postdoc or an early career, and kind of what they did to succeed because parenting and motherhood is such a you know, it's isolating and it's time consuming. And how do you kind of balance all these different things? And so we really just wanted to have this panel to get women together, a to let them know they're not alone, that we all face these same struggles. And then um, just to hear about a different variety of perspectives on what people do to succeed. Did you yourself bring your little one to your to the meeting? You know, I didn't because it's so expensive it, it was like a hundred dollars a day wow um, but i thought you know, S- i thought sfn was providing childcare. no they provide and there's an infant room and uh, where you can go with your infant to nurse be quiet whatever um and then there is a kid kitty core i think uh child care room and that i want to say was about a hundred dollars a day um and so for the duration of the meeting that would have been $500 on top of our monthly daycare costs so for me it just wasn't feasible that's a barrier for many people I can imagine especially as, as a grad student you know your stipend only goes so far and... absolutely were there any surprising stories or perspectives that you hadn't expected to hear you know the one the one perspective that one perspective that I really appreciated not that I didn't appreciate all of them obviously was um, from Jessica Barson at Drexel who was talking about how it's it's okay to not be extraordinary at times because um you know in this field you know you're always just pushing 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 doing everything you can to put out the best science and you know get all the all the research done and write all the papers and and the perspective that she was offering was, you know, it's okay to, to back down a little bit sometimes, you know, you don't have to be super mom and super scientist. And it was just really refreshing to hear somebody say that, you know, it's okay. It's okay to back off. I imagine that she herself backed off a little bit and it didn't hinder her career in any way to take a step back and to not be super scientist. She, she's, you know, I would have called her a super scientist myself. I mean, she, and just like a superhuman, she opened a lab and within four months had twins, you know, and that, that in and of itself and still, you know, still running her lab and being very successful is really inspiring to see. For, for those who couldn't attend the talk, um, what were the, say, top three pieces of advice that were given by the panelists about balancing motherhood and being a scientist? I thought um, Denise Kai had a really wonderful analogy about balancing uh, motherhood in her life. And she was describing her life as an ice cream sundae uh, with the analogy that her husband was the ice cream. And if she only had ice cream, she would still be okay. And that would still be awesome. Uh, But then she had her kids and they're kind of like the hot fudge where, you know, they add something additionally awesome to her Sunday. And then um, this idea that her work is the cherry on top and she would still be okay if she just had her hot fudge and she just had her ice cream, but the cherry on top just makes it extra nice. And I thought that was a great uh, perspective for, you know, saying your work doesn't, it's not everything, but it it definitely complements the whole package. I thought that was great. 
Dr. Hamidi or Anahita had a message about, uh, so she actually has decided to leave academia and in academia proper and become a science writer. And her message was kind of about redefining what the leaky pipeline really meant because, you know, you say you're a leak out of the system and in a way you think you're a failure, but she's obviously not a failure. She is going on to succeed in a career that is perfect for her. And um, all those things I thought were really helpful pieces of advice. Thanks, Jamie Kruger. So keep an eye out for the last issue of Nature this year for the Nature Events Directory 2019. And this was the last episode for 2018. How fast has that gone by? Next year, the Nature Careers podcast is coming back, but it'll have a slightly different feel. Instead of a monthly podcast, we'll be producing four series of podcasts, each focused on a different topic. And our first series, which will be launching in January, will look at funding, something that's really key to everybody's career in science. So here's just a little teaser of what's to come. My conclusion is that this is quite unhealthy for basic research, which is a long-term, quintessentially long-term... The critical thing for any application is that the idea is a sound one and has got some importance. This person is a really good person to put this funding in to deliver the project. You shouldn't think more than necessary about what you're trying to explain. There's a great deal of randomness and luck that we find uh, in determining who does and does not get funding. And with that... I and the rest of the Nature Careers team wish you a very Merry Christmas and a happy 2019. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.